Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast. My name is Chad Ozy. I serve as a women's basketball official and baseball umpire as well as a coordinator. And I am here with Jeff Cross, uh, former baseball umpire, current <laughs> baseball coach yeah. and Division One women's basketball official. How you doing today, Jeff? I'm perfect. Uh, just an FYI. When we're recording this, it is 10 days until Christmas. <laughs> as I sit here in my ugly Christmas sweater. Yeah, ugly Christmas like hoodie even yeah. like has the full hood thing going on. Zipper, there. the whole thing. So this is you have never been so happy in all of your life that this is an audio podcast <laughs> and not a video podcast. Maybe uh, so. I am I am taking the brunt of it all for <laughs> you, and so uh, just so you all know, that's how it's working today. You guys uh, don't realize Chad's actually in sunglasses, <laughs> so he you know the bright colors don't bother him. So. <laughs> oh, it is great stuff. I've had so much fun uh, prepping for Christmas this year. It's just been a little different than normal. I don't know how your year's been, Jeff, but this is the first year that, you know, I don't have kids at home. I know you've had that for a, a little while now. It's my first year for that. And so uh, we're all, you know, getting ready to, to gather together from multiple different places for the first time this year. Uh, working stuff out with my wife's family about you know when we're gonna get together with which different part of the of the crew and, sure. and all that and it's it's been a, a fun year to kind of prepare and uh, and really enjoy no matter how much time we get together but just to enjoy that time that we're gonna have together yeah and you know speaking of that whole empty nesting thing and you know this is like your first year mm-hmm. for you to be an empty nester um it's weird at least for me, what I've really noticed is now I am, I used to get really excited about what, you know, what's the big gift we're going to get the kids, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of, it's kind of rotated into what's the big gift I'm going to get my mom mm. or my mother-in-law, you know, and now it don't have to be a PS4 or anything like that, or I don't know if that's even a new thing. Is that PS4? Is that an old thing or is that a new thing? I don't even know. <laughs> that's how, that's P- how out of touch I am with P- that. My son would know. Caleb yeah. would know well. <laughs> PS12, what whatever it is. <laughs> so, you know, now we're like looking for these, you know, we'll call them, you know, unique gifts for 
our mother, for my mom and mother-in-law, you know, we actually, a friend of mine, uh, uh, Abby Bickle, I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar yeah. with that name, but she's out of uh, Wisconsin. She actually- Abby Burmeister has, now. Burmeister, that's right. Yeah. Yep. I've known her for years and it's always been Bickle. I apologize. Good, good correction there. But she actually has this um, AB Craftery. Mm-hmm. Have ABC. you seen that mobile shed that she's got? Yeah. That thing's awesome. I know. I love so, it. So she was able to, uh, in our trip, uh, so uh, in my trip to a basketball game on a way back, uh, Gina's been fortunate enough to have some extra time, so she was actually traveling with us, and we contacted her and and told her what we were looking to have for my mom. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she got that made, and I'm expecting that in the mail any day any day now. So oh, when that comes, I will be cool. excited. Yeah, That's very, very neat. And then I'll make sure I show it to you on the air and you won't be able to tell what it says that's right the, once again the video podcast will fail all of you that's right, uh, that's right. since we're audio only we're yeah. going to youtube next <laughs> <laughs> i'll have to uh, clean up the studio a little bit yeah if we're right gonna, if we're gonna go video with everything mm-hmm. you know that brings up a really great thought though jeff you know i mean how neat that you were able to recently uh have gina join you on the road i mean that's that's a little different than normal and something that not everybody gets to experience what was it like getting to to travel with your spouse to to work basketball it was very different and i have to say um just a breath of fresh air to be able to have it's always nice to have a companion in general right Mm -hmm. but when you have a companion you know for my wife and i will be married 30 years in february so that 30-year companion it's so, you know, after a tough game, you know, everyone's yelling at you, you know, the whole thing, right? And then you you would typically drive four or five hours maybe to try and get home or to the next destination. Um, when she was able to, to travel with me, I mean, I literally had to drive, you know, 45, 60 minutes to our hotel room and she was there. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, man, this just feels so much better just to feel and, and see a friendly face. And not that I don't want to talk to you all the time, Chad, but it's mm-hmm. just nice to, right. you know, talk about something different, you know. Sure. And um, it, it was, it just felt really good in that moment. Like, man, I am so glad that I'm here. And even if I'm just watching TV, but I was around someone I love, so that was, that's very rewarding for me. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're able to do that with her getting some time off. Um, and I'm saddened that it took me this long to realize that, you know, some of those things like that can, can really make a trip much better. Mm-hmm. So you've been married 30 years. Is that right? Coming up in January, February, February. Sorry. All right. So wait, two twenty two ninety two. Wow. So if anybody's wondering what my password is, <laughs> you did not just it's that. probably going to oh have, there's all kinds of other, you know, things in there, but <laughs> I mean, that's just my numbers, 22292. That's so awesome. That's so great. Uh, I'll I'll be married 30 weeks somewhere in January, February See, like yeah. that. So not quite as long as Jeff, uh, but uh, it's, it's neat to have that support and encouragement. And for you especially then recently to be able to have some time where she was able to go with you. I know there were... Uh, a couple things that that happened in games during that stretch when you guys were on the road, where I would give you guys, I would give you a call, and it was both of you on the phone in the mm-hmm. car on the yeah. Bluetooth, which was which was fun uh, to have that response. In fact, it brings up something really interesting. I had uh, I, I got a a clip from Jeff 
Um, and, and this happens all the time. I, I sent Jeff a clip uh, last week about an illegal screen. In fact, we talked about it last week mm-hmm. on the on the podcast, and said I was I was anxious for you to to see it, you know. And I saw I'm like, oh man, that's that's one I should have gotten. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to get better at those kinds of plays. And um, Jeff sent me one, and he said, um, make sure audio is on. So mm-hmm. a lot of times, whenever whenever somebody sends me a clip, I like watching it without the audio because a lot of times it's the announcers are making stupid comments or whatever. That's just that gets annoying and frustrating or whatever. Uh, but a lot of times, whenever somebody says uh, I want the audio on, that means because in basketball it has something either to do with the buzzer mm-hmm. or the whistle. Mm-hmm. You know, did the, the, the whistle sound? while the ball was in the air on a pass for a timeout. Because mm-hmm. if that happened, now it's not a timeout we've got. Now we're dealing with an IW. Mm-hmm. Or did the uh, did the horn sound before the ball was released? And we're going to go take a look at that. Um, you know, and it's different whether it's review or live play and all that kind of stuff. You know, all that. So that's immediately where my mind went whenever Jeff sent me this clip. And... Uh, Jeff sent me a clip where we're kind of they're kind of in transition. It looks like there may even be like a, a backcourt violation about to be called, all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden you hear the whistle. I'm not even totally sure who blew the whistle, but then I see Jeff's hands go to his head. <laughs> and then I see Jeff's hands go up in the air. Why don't, why don't you walk everybody through this particular clip that you sent us, Jeff? I don't recall what you're talking about, Chad. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was late in the game. It was under a minute to go. Game has been decided. It was a 30-40 point ball game. And... Uh, the visiting team had the ball in their front court and they kind of threw it away into the back court. And I was, you know, I was going to be the new, I was the trail new lead. Mm-hmm. And uh, for whatever reason, I had it set in my head that the team that was going for it was the team that had front court status. And as soon as she touched that ball, I blew the whistle. Okay. And like, as soon as the noise was made, I realized that this is, you know, this is the uh, this is the other team. This is not mm-hmm. a backcourt violation, and so as Chad said, I I literally put my head in my hands. I have my head down, my hands are on my head, and I'm literally holding them. And I'm thinking to myself, "Take <laughs> your head out of your head, hands, Jeff, because." Every camera right now is on you. Mm-hmm. And of course, then I did that. I took my, okay, so I accomplished that goal. And then I just basically put palms up. Like I've, I've screwed up. I don't know what else to do except for, you know, apologize and, you know, be so thankful. Um, but the interesting part of the story was, so obviously we messed up. The announcer says something. I think, um, I believe the announcer said he's up along the lines of, um, everybody makes mistakes or yeah. I forget we're all what it, human. We're all human. Something yeah, like yeah, that. Right. Yeah. We're all human. So it sets up where now I'm going to be in front of the bench that, that just did not benefit from my inadvertent whistle. 30, 40 seconds to go in a ball game. One of the bench players, you know, I'm like, I'm apologizing, you know, I'm, sure. I'm clearly, I'm sorry. And one of the bench players looks at me and says, it's okay. Everybody makes mistakes. Hmm. I was like, oh, that 
that helps in the moment. Sure. You know what I mean? That helps in the moment. You know, think about it for a, you know, let's just say 20 year old athlete sure. somewhere mm-hmm. there, you know, somewhere 18, 22, 23 is yep. the age of most of our college athletes. Mm-hmm. And for a 20 year old athlete to have that insight, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. That what it meant to me was they probably have felt that moment. Even if it was, they threw a pass to the other team mm-hmm. out of bounds you know, whatever it was, they double dribbled and they weren't supposed to. What they had made some sort of mistake, maybe forgot to turn an assignment in on time. Whatever it was, they knew I was showing that kind of, if you want to call it emotion or, but that kind of body language that, that it showed, I don't want to say regret either, but it's, you know, apologetic. I was, I mean, it was sure. very, it was very clear that I had just made a mistake and I didn't know how to fix it. Mm-hmm. Except for to continue on, and that and that player was able to read that. It's like, like, hey, I've felt what you're feeling right now, and going to show some support. So I thought that was really, really nice. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I think we all we all have had those moments where we've made a mistake. In fact, we we spent an entire uh, episode talking about our mistake recovery strategies. Mm-hmm. Right? You know mm-hmm. how how do we get out of it when we begin to dig in? And and sometimes it's not just about Oh my gosh, this was huge and overwhelming in that game. You know, thankfully that didn't happen in a tie ball game. It it happened in a game with a pretty decent spread to it, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it, it it did not affect any sort of outcome mm-hmm. in that game. Uh, but it, it was a little thing. It, it wasn't a big deal. You know, um, there have been times. You know. Anytime you have a sport with a whistle, you know, there's a potential for a, an inadvertent whistle or IW as we call it, uh, whether it's, you know, football, basketball, I'm sure it happens in soccer and other Wrestling, things like that. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, there, there are times that kind of stuff happens when you are uh, like in, in baseball, for instance, we really don't have an IW. We're, we don't have a whistle out there, but there are times when funny stuff like that happens. There are times when an umpire comes up and, and calls time you know, on a batter interference where really that should be a, a live ball and mm-hmm. there's a chance for them to attempt to put out runners and do things like that. I've, I've seen before where a an umpire pointed fair and yelled foul. <laughs> and like it, it wasn't, you know, it, it was it was definitely fair, but right. they were in a situation where they couldn't review, they couldn't whatever at that yeah. time. And now they have to live with a foul call because the rule is if it's called foul, mm-hmm. in fact, it used to be if the ball was directly hit the center field and you called foul, it was a foul ball. Now, there are some things in college baseball now that allow us to fix that and at mm-hmm. least put runners on or do things there. But, you know, we're just that momentary, you know, brain lapse, mm-hmm. you know, Oh man, and you talk about you feel so small when it happens. And, and again, you made the, the statement: every eye in the place is on me. Because you blew the whistle. Yeah. What's he blowing the whistle for? They look over at you. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, you even told me that there was this kind of inner dialogue going on in your mind, where first you put your hands on your head, and then you said something to yourself. What was it that you said? Yeah. Take. Take your hands off your head. Everyone is looking at you. You know, you, you literally had to talk yourself through that. Right. I mean, I was going literally baby steps trying to, you know, because I, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I would have loved to just got on my knees, 
You know what I mean? And curled <laughs> up into a ball and crawled underneath the scorer's table so no one could see me. Yeah. But I knew that wasn't an option. Yeah. As much as I wanted to do that, that would have not have helped the situation. Sure. By, by it, maybe somebody would got a laugh on it. It might have been, you know, that was the joke when we got in the locker room. I said, like, we're making a meme out of that, you know? <laughs> Cross putting his head on head in his hands. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, I literally had to, you know, like it, I, I, I resemble it to the dog when he, when the dog gets wet or maybe they've been sleeping and they get up. What do they do? The first thing they do is they shake everything off. Right. Mm-hmm. And kind of, you know, get their fur back to normal. And that's kind of what I was having to do in a step-by-step process. I'm like, okay, I got to find a way to get back to normal. Yeah. But and- I want, I want to share, you know, I, sometimes I regret sharing some of these stories, but you're talking about baseball. Yeah. Back when I was working baseball, my buddy, Sam Nicholas, who, you know, I was just like, you know, for lack of better terms, a peon in baseball, a baseball mm-hmm. empire. My buddy Sam had been around for a long time and had a lot of respect from a lot of people. Sam could call someone safe who was out by three steps and no one would say anything. You know, it's just kind of he had that everyone yeah. just to believe what he was doing, right? Well, as the years went on, him and I became more equal. I'm like, all right, you know, I got a little bit of Sam cred to me, you know. And we had a play where it goes, I was on the bases, right? And a foul ball goes up in the air, or a ball, fly ball goes up in the air, and it lands in fair territory. I'm sorry, it lands in foul territory and then rolls fair. Okay. As soon as it landed, my buddy Sam goes, foul ball, right? As it's rolling fair. Okay. So now we know it should have been fair. So this happened before it got to third base. Right, yeah. It happened like, you know, whatever, five feet in front of the plate kind of thing, one of those little pop-ups. I remember saying to myself, here we go. They're going to tear him up. And no one said a word to him. And I remember thinking to myself, what is he doing? What What has he done that no one is saying anything on this on this missed call where I if I do that, you know, I got I got four coaches in my ear and players and fans and all kinds of stuff. So um you know Sam just you know had had an ability to be able to, to get past those situations and and um, he took great pride in getting past those situations and and I still struggle I don't want to say I struggle but I, I think well, every time I do get past a situation like this inadvertent mm-hmm. whistle I relate it back to Sam and what he's taught me over the years. So yeah, you know, I nobody likes making a mistake. Obviously, that's why we talked about how to dig out of mistakes and how to do that. But there's there's something a little bit different about some of these moments that we're talking about. We're not talking about just oh man, I made I made the wrong call. Like I, I purposefully picked the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it, it should have been a block and I called a charge. It should have been a strike and I called a ball. Whatever. But we're talking about some things that get just a little bit more to the humanity. Like you said, the, the announcer said, hey, we're all human. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've told you this story before. I don't know that I've necessarily shared it on the podcast. I was working uh, a, a, a national tournament, the National Christian College Athletic Association, the NCCAA baseball tournament. And I was working at this beautiful facility down near the Ozarks in Missouri. And we're literally up on top of one of the mountains and the baseball fields up on top. Cool. And you got eagles that are soaring around and there's these beautiful white fluffy clouds everywhere. I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful day for baseball. And 
I was working plate for the semifinal game. I was all excited about this game. It was amazing. And because of this particular tournament, uh, this was not the uh, semifinal of the whole thing. This was the semifinal of the regional. Okay, they're going to go on. And uh, it was just a two-person crew for the semifinal game. So I'm on the plate. We got a runner on first base. And so my, my base umpire's in the middle. And so third, third baseline is all mine. This kid gets up. And uh, it's my catcher for the team that's that's now batting. Uh, he catches when they're on defense. He's up to bat. And uh, he just smokes one. Mm. I mean, he just, it is a towering. It's one of those shots that just keeps going up and up and up. And you know it's, it's way over the fence the moment it goes. But it is so high up in the air. And I said there were these big, white, fluffy clouds. I had no idea where the ball was. Mm. The foul line is totally and completely mine. I had no clue where the foul line was, where the ball was. And so I ran up third baseline. I'm about halfway in between uh, home plate and third base. And I am just staring towards the foul pole. And I'm like, what am I going to do? I literally have no clue where the ball is. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to take my cues from everywhere. I'm looking at the the left fielder, and he's not even looking at the ball. He knows how hard it got hit. So he's looking in at me to see mm. what's this going to happen. And I notice that the third base coach has a bead on this ball. And so I'm wearing sunglasses because I wear sunglasses behind the plate. And, uh, and so nobody can really see my eyes. So I look like I'm looking directly at the foul pole, but my eyes are completely on this third base coach. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I see the third base coach, oh, and he dropped his head. I mean, it was only like a two or three inch drop, mm -hmm. but he saw that ball wasn't fair. And I come, I go, foul, foul. <laughs> <laughs> and I come back, and I'm trotting towards home, and I'm, I'm doing it kind of slow, and the batter's already worked his way back to the plate because he's getting ready for that next pitch, and the catcher's there, and the catcher looks at me for, you know, for the defensive team, and he's like, man, I don't know how you saw that ball. I couldn't see it. And I looked at him, I said, I got to be totally honest with you. I don't have a clue where that ball was. <laughs> For all I know, it's still in the air. I said, all I was doing, all I was doing was watching the third base coach. And so then the batter, who was my other catcher, we've had a, a good rapport with both these guys all day and everything. He goes, so you're telling me that if my coach was a better actor and would have jumped up and down, <laughs> that I'd be trotting around. I said, you'd be a two-run home run right now is exactly what That's it right. would be because I had no clue. <laughs> And it was so funny because both of them laughed. We had to take a second to gather ourselves before mm -hmm. we got back in for the next pitch. Everybody else in the stadium was wondering what's going on. Sure. Right? I mean, this was a big moment. Yeah, you know, right. They just came back or whatever. And we're sitting here laughing and all. And I, I just had to be totally and completely honest with them and say, guys, I had no clue. I, I was not adequate to the task in that moment. Mm -hmm. But I did have enough smarts about me. Mm. To then take in all those other pieces of information, because I, I still was the one that had to make the decision. Right, I was the only one that could call fair or foul. Mm -hmm. You know, in your moment, it felt very human in an in an awkward, funny way. Nobody mm -hmm. likes being that person. For me, it wasn't everybody in the place stared at me. It was the two other guys going, "Oh man," you know. But they're the two guys that I had to work with all day. Sure, yeah. You know, back there behind the plate. And I, I think there is that element of humanity to what we do that a lot of times we just, we forget about, or if we don't forget about it, we don't, we don't bring it up. 
You know, we, we let those moments find us mm-hmm. rather than us being human. I've I've heard you do something when you uh, when you do a pregame, specifically with captains. A lot of times you'll do things just to talk about non basketball stuff at a captain's meeting. Why Why do you do that, Jeff? Uh, I think the biggest reason I do it is because it's you know about bringing humanity. You know, mm-hmm. I I, I want to show genuine interest in the players and everything they've done to get to where they are today. Um, I want to I, I want them to be recognized for their accomplishments. That, hey you're meet at the finals week and you're still playing today and you know, whatever you've recovered from knee surgery and this is your first game back, whatever that might be. I want to show some of that. Um, I wish we could do more of it. Uh, I feel like there's not enough of it in the game. Mm-hmm. Only reason being, I think it's because there's so much pressure built up in the, in the division one college basketball and, and just, in sports in general, but obviously the higher you go, the more pressure that's in it. Sure. And sometimes people just don't want to hear about, uh, you know, my final exam or your final exam. So, um, but I, I feel personally, the game would be better served if we could bring some more of that back into the game. Uh, I like that. I like that a lot. And especially when you kind of juxtapose that with the fact that, so many people want to take the humanity out of officiating right now. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it that we've heard on the baseball side, man? We want robo-ump. We want mm-hmm. robo-ump. We want mm-hmm. robo-ump. Um, in both basketball and baseball, and in almost every major sport that's out there right now, I mean, we are relying more and more and more on instant replay, mm-hmm. on monitor review, on mm-hmm. giving coaches the opportunity to challenge mm-hmm. calls, Right. So, and what we've said in that is that we want to remove the possibility for human error from the game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we talked last week about getting clips and what that's like. What, what's the reason they keep sending us clips? They send us clips so we won't make the same error. They want to remove human error. Mm-hmm. I have news for people. We're never going to remove human error. Even yeah. if we go to full robo, if we go to full automated, right. somebody has to run that machine. Yep. And there's a potential for human error in the midst of that, mm. right? But because everybody wants to remove that human side, then a lot of times we as officials, we go into it thinking we have to be robots. I've heard you say, I still bleed. I'm not a robot. Mm-hmm. I've heard you say that. But a lot of times we walk into it going, man, I want to be perfect. We said last week, 98% sometimes isn't good enough for us. Yeah. We want to be better and better and better. Why do you think it's important? I mean, and you know what? I'll, I'll go a step further than just humanity. I, I think part of what you're talking about is this idea of, of vulnerability, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I put my hands on my head and I laughed and now it, it's drawn even more attention, right? And so I go over to that sideline, guys, man, I'm sorry I blew that. I mean, mm-hmm. that that takes a vulnerability. Yeah. And within the world of sports, we don't like being vulnerable. You know, um, just in, in general, wh- why do you think that vulnerability is important? Well, I want to touch on the, the robo-ump also. I, and I, and I've, I've heard other people talk about this. And yes, and they want to... T- make it mistake free right we're going to take the humanity out of it i also believe there's some there's some uh, need 
from the uh, the stakeholders in whatever game it is that's wanting to bring in robo robo umps or whatever it is because the computer will not be offended by when a coach yells at them. Mm-hmm. So there's not going to have that aggressive interaction that is not made not family friendly. Sure. So that'll help with that too. And when a coach yells at a computer, the computer's still going to call it very black and white where when you do that to a human, whether they mean to make a mistake or not, but when your brain is fogged with other situations, it's very hard to put what's the most important up front and center. When I'm refereeing a game and I got a coach chewing my ear off during live play, well, I got news for you. I'm going to be distracted, and I may miss a play. Mm-hmm. That won't happen with a computer. It just it just records, and yeah. that, and I think that's another advantage to having the robo ump or computer referee or whatever that is. Um, but that's only because we've come into terms that we can't accept mistakes. Mm-hmm. We can't not, as a referee, as a coach. As a player, as a mom or a dad who's watching the game, or just a super fan, they can't accept mistakes, and they they're not very good at accepting them, and they're very clouded when it comes to a mistake that goes in their favor and a mistake that doesn't go in their favor. Goes in their favor, we sweep it under the rug. No one says anything. Mm-hmm. Doesn't go in their favor. We want to make it front and center. We're making a post about it on Facebook in two seconds. Sure. So back to your vulnerability. The question was. How, how do we become? You know, why? Why is it important? You know, or, yeah. or or is it in your opinion? Is it important that we show vulnerability as a sports official? Yeah, I think it is. I think vulnerability is, for one, if we seek out vulnerability, it can make those really difficult situations a little bit easier. Okay, because when it's difficult, we're our. You know, I've said. I've said before in many scenarios where just putting on a striped shirt takes courage. Sure. Putting on the striped shirt is also making you very vulnerable because as soon as you blow the whistle, you're vulnerable at getting yelled at. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, as soon as you don't blow the whistle, you're vulnerable at getting yelled at. Yeah. So th- th- when you seek out that, that vulnerability of just saying, I'm going to do it, I'm going to put the shirt on. Whether I know what I'm doing or not, I'm going to do it and be vulnerable. So every time I do it, it becomes a little bit easier and it's, we become less vulnerable. But that will that will soon disappear if we don't elevate in what we're doing. So we still may be vulnerable, but you know, it's like saying, well, I'm vulnerable because I'm going to make cheeseburgers for dinner tonight. Well, have you made cheeseburgers before? Yep, make them all the time. But this time I'm just making them for a different crowd. I'm still a little vulnerable, but I feel very confident. Vulnerability in that scenario would be I'm going to make stuffed cheeseburgers for people I've never met before, and they're going to be grading me. So that's where we need to to search out that vulnerability so it becomes – you know, I use the phrase with my ki- my kids all the time in the baseball team. You know, we got to we got to be un- we got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And but I th- I think we've I've elevated that too. So, you know, I want to find the vulnerability in everything. And when we get past that 
my inadvertent whistle. I became very vulnerable at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, head in my hands. Everyone's looking at me. Want to hide? I'm very vulnerable at that time. But I realize that you know, if I keep going forward, accept the mistake. You know, obviously be thankful that it didn't happen in a in a, in a tough situation, and get past that. It becomes the the more you accept that vulnerability, the more those mistakes are. You're able to. Just leapfrog over them and then go on to the next situation. You know, we we said from the beginning when we started this podcast that we we both obviously are officiating nuts. I'm going to say we're officiating nuts more than we're sports nuts because yeah, I, I, I think that's mm-hmm. that's accurate, right? Or we're just nuts. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that's probably primary, right? Right. right. Uh, but when I when I when we thought about what we were doing, part of what we said was what we do in officiating isn't just about what happens on the field or on the court. There are incredible lessons that we bring from officiating into our lives. We bring into our lives as spouses and parents. We bring into our lives as employees or employers, Mm -hmm. as students, as teachers, as all those kinds of things. And I believe that vulnerability is something that in this day and age, people are very afraid of very much so you know i I don't want to be vulnerable enough to tell you what i really think about a topic because if you think something different about that topic that discussion might be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. right i don't want to be vulnerable enough to say when everybody says hey can uh where's everybody want to go out for dinner I don't want to be vulnerable enough to say I'd like to go to core life eatery because I'm a vegetarian because I'm afraid that then other people might mock me for that. By the mm-hmm. way, I am not a vegetarian. <laughs> Just threw that out that, there right? for my friends, Jen and Greg, who like to go to core life eatery. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, those kind of, th- that makes us vulnerable. Anytime we take a step, anytime we are willing to, to lay something out there, there's a vulnerability that comes from that. I think when we are, teaching and training and officiating, one of the things that we try to do is teach and train vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll have, you might have over the course of a, a camper clinic, four different clinicians tell you four different things about the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And all, it's not that all four are right or all four are wrong or somewhere. It's just, they're different perspectives on it. And so if I'm vulnerable enough to say, I may not know it all. Mm-hmm. Now I can learn these four different things and I may only use one of them or two of them, or I may only use it in specific circumstances. Right. But when we teach and train vulnerability, what we understand is that it, it opens us up to so many more opportunities, man, what if we carried that into every aspect of our day? What if as a dad, instead of coming home and feeling like I have to put on this face that says I've got it all under control. Mm-hmm. What if I'm vulnerable enough to say, man, today was a really hard day. Because mm-hmm. well, maybe my kids need to see that it's okay to have a hard day mm-hmm. so that when they have a hard day at school, they don't feel like they have to put on a, a face in front of dad. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. My grades are fine. Dad. Yeah, because I've said, well, yeah, our finances are fine or Mm -hmm. my job's fine or my whatever. So now they feel like they can't be unfine. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Because I haven't been that as a as a crew chief. If I don't show vulnerability, then my crew feels like they can't show that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think this is about a lot more than just uh, 
than just officiate. And I love the fact that it was your your little inadvertent whistle clip that kind of put us here, mm. you know. But I think this is something that we all need to hear. Yeah. Um, I think if we can embrace vulnerability every day, when I'm done officiating, it's going to make me a better person, mm. a better father, a better husband, and maybe even prepare me for the next venture, whatever mm-hmm. that is, that I take on. If if we can do that, because, you know, and all of our friends do this. I'm just going to use my wife, for example. When we talked about, you know, whatever, a certain scenario, think, thinking about changing it in our life, whatever it was. And she had said, well, what if it doesn't work? Mm. Right? What if it, what if that doesn't happen? And I said, well, then we'll do something else. You know, it's, it's, well, we, I said, what if it does, (laughs) you know, what if it does work? What if what we're doing, whatever, whatever the scenario is, right. We, we missed that opportunity to do something even better for fear that it, it may not work. And, um, all of us are afraid of that. Uh, you know, I think I've read somewhere or heard somewhere, you know, one of the, the biggest fears that everyone have is, is public speaking. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sometimes because they are just sheltering themselves. If you were to put 50 people in a room and just walk up to any one of them randomly, just 50 people and say, hey, can you go up front and tell everybody about your day? Some of those people would literally fall apart. Mm-hmm for fear and the, the afraid of the being afraid of the vulnerability they were getting, they're getting and putting themselves through. And if we face that vulnerability every day, okay, you may not be super comfortable doing it, but at least you're not going to foil and crumble into pieces when that question is asked of you. Um, it, it, as I look back into our school, you know, and, and, uh, Carrie, our, our athletic director assistant, she's kind of taken over some of those positions, you know, some of those day-to-day responsibilities. And she, I remember her saying, well, you know, I'm just out here trying to figure it out myself, you know, you know, because it wasn't written down for her A, B, C, D, E, F, G to do. She had to figure, she had to feel her way through that. And sometimes that can be this best training. Cause if I give you a through F to do and you do A through F and you still find yourself not doing very well, who are you going to blame? You're going to blame the person who made a list. If I tell you, you know, I give you one or two major scenarios, right? You know, our, our one number one goal is the game gets played. Mm-hmm. I could care less about everything else as long as the game gets played. If we keep that goal in and then you can go out and experience, she can go out and experience some vulnerability and you know the the nerves as the other team going to show oh you know what instead of having these nerves that the other team going to show i'm actually going to check their website to make sure they have it coming to our game you know things like that you know and, and she learned all that stuff from fear of the first couple times being very vulnerable in a situation that she didn't feel prepared for and she probably wasn't but when are we ever prepared for the situation we're about to go into it, even a law enforcement, they go through six, nine, 12 weeks of training. 
they're not prepared for a real gun be pointed at them. They're not. Mm-hmm. They get wooden guns pointed at them. And, that, and they make a light. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they make a noise, a bang. And meanwhile, they're not prepared. We have to have that vulnerability in order to find that success in whatever we're doing. And as soon as you get past that vulnerability, you'll find yourself like, okay, I can do this. Now I want a little bit more and a little bit more. Oh, and, and I'll go one more step. Let's say we're not just talking about vulnerability here. We're talking about intentional vulnerability. Right. I have to make a choice each and every day that I'm not just going to put up this wall. I'm not just going to put on a mask, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was telling Jeff before we got on the podcast today that uh, I got the opportunity to go hear one of my friends play in a band on Saturday night. I uh, had a had a game Saturday afternoon, finished up my game, got home. Uh, Megan and I went out and, and got to listen to it. And it was funny because the uh, they were having some sound issues. And so the sound was super loud. Mm. Yes, I know that makes me old for me to say <laughs> the sound was super loud. But it was. Even the band was saying that it was mm. super loud. So most people were gathered in the... It was kind of a two rooms next to each other with an open area in the middle. And so a lot of people gathered in the other room just because then the, the sound was a little less. There was this guy who came in and who... Uh, who started dancing. He, one guy, one lady came in and started dancing. We were in the loud room just so we could be there with the band and that kind of thing. And they were the only two dancing. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a room where most people aren't dancing and a couple people are, hmm, Yeah. but most of us have a natural inclination and that's to critique the people that are dancing. Truth truth right yep mm-hmm. man that guy i mean he dances like an orangutan that had too many to drink or you know whatever right, <laughs> right. you know that's I mean, a rat that hasn't gotten his legs yet that's right. right she can't find the beat to save her life whatever <laughs> you know but what i found so interesting was those two people that were dancing had made themselves vulnerable mm-hmm. they put themselves out in the middle of the floor where everybody else could see mm-hmm. but do you know who was having more fun in that room than anybody else those two people out on the right. Regardless of what anybody thought, regardless of what anybody said, when we fail to become vulnerable, we miss out on opportunities. Mm-hmm. When we fail to be vulnerable enough to ask that person, will you help me? We miss out on opportunity to get better. When we fail to say, can, can I tag along? Right. Mm-hmm. Can I yeah. go see? Can I go learn? Can I, you know, what, whatever those things are when we fail to do that, because we're again, so we, we want to look like we've got it all together. We have it all figured out when we're not willing to be vulnerable. We are the ones who end up missing out. Yep. You know, yes, you had an inadvertent whistle. Yes. The eyes went towards you. Yes. Your hands went to your head and then went up in the air. Mm-hmm. Right. People got to see you be vulnerable in a way that was not intentional. Mm -hmm. But I think being intentionally vulnerable is uncommon. And if I'm going to have an uncommon drive towards success, there needs to be vulnerability in what I do. That doesn't mean I use vulnerability as an excuse for not doing what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. That's not what vulnerability means. Vulnerability is saying, I'm going to be open to new things. I'm willing to take that risk. 
When I mess up, I'm willing to admit it. When I need help, I'm willing to go find it. I'm willing to say I'm not the be all end all. Mm. And through that vulnerability, we become better and better and we help bring out that in others. Well, you know, I'll go back to the beginning part of my officiating career, you know, stage one, I come home and tell my wife I'm going to try basketball. I I became very vulnerable there. Mm -hmm. And she answered with, what do you know about basketball? You know, and she had a very good point. Yep. And then, you know, I refereed some sixth grade games, some junior high games, and then someone called me for a high school varsity game. Now, I could have very well said, well, I don't think I'm ready for the high school varsity game. But I was intentionally vulnerable. I said, okay, let's, you know, let's try it. Yep. And the same thing happened with college basketball. How many people told me, I wish I, had, I kept track, how many people told me, you're not ready for a Division One basketball camp yet? Mm. Many people told me that. Nope, yep. you're not ready yet. Why not? Well, because you still have to, you haven't worked the conference tournament in Division Three yet, or you haven't done this yet. So they were, all these people were telling me. And that, that may have been true, but I wanted to experience the vulnerability of this failure to see. And I mean, listen, my first year for a couple of years and I didn't get hired in, you know what I mean? It was, it was just me, you know, trying. That's all it was and being very vulnerable. And, and I'm sure my talent was very glaring <laughs> on how I wasn't ready, but I wanted to experience the vulnerability. So that way it hopefully prepared me for where I'm at today, right now in 2021. Yeah. Well, as we have been talking about this today, I think it's really important for uh, for all of us as we head into the holidays, mm-hmm. not just as we're finishing up games, but as we're heading into those celebrations with family and friends and everything else. Man, don't be vulnerable enough to to be in the middle of the dance floor. Yeah, you know. I, I, I'm, I know I'm interrupting you here, but you know it's 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 really funny. How you just talked about the holidays and this year we're starting a tradition of all of us wearing matching pajamas. Okay. You know, the family and everyone kind of does that, right? Sure. And my wife was charged with ordering everyone's pajamas. Well, already we, you know, have handed a few of them out and, you know, someone, well, mine are too big or, you know, this one doesn't fit just right. And we're, we're afraid to even be vulnerable around our our immediate family in a pair of pajamas. Mm-hmm. You know, by Christmas, you know, I wear Christmas sweaters, you know, a lot of, a lot of times during the Christmas season. And sometimes I ask the people I'm going to referee, hey, I'm going to wear a, a Christmas sweater if you'd like to join me. You know, you're more than welcome to. And I, you know, I text, you know, four of my crews for the, until I'm off for Christmas break. And only one took took me up on it because the others... For whatever reason, it doesn't make any difference, but I believe wholeheartedly that they didn't want to make themselves vulnerable on simply by just putting a, showing some holiday spirit and putting a Christmas sweater on. And I get it. Maybe some people just aren't into Christmas, and that's fine. But I don't think that out of the 20 people that I've talked to, only two of them are willing to do what we're, you know. So I think it's a great trait to have. If you can find a way to master that, that way to be vulnerable in every situation, Christmas with your wife, with your partner, be vulnerable, ask them out. You know, 
I just, I'm thinking about this. Ma- imagine if I wasn't vulnerable enough to say, hey, Gina, would you like to go out? Mm-hmm. And then she said no. And then I asked her again the same day. And then she said no again. And then I asked her again the same day. And then finally she said, if I say yes, will you stop calling me? <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I just kept on putting myself out there. Yeah. Um, this was before stalking was illegal, by the way. So, <laughs> so but I just, uh, and I never, I want to thank you, Chad, for realizing how much I do embrace vulnerability. I didn't realize I did it that much. Um, and maybe everyone else is doing it and they probably don't realize it either. But, and, and if you are, that's great. But I, I ask that you take notice that you're being vulnerable. Yeah. And I think that leads us to a really great action point today. So first of all, let's, let's look for ways mm-hmm. to be vulnerable. Let's look for ways to be vulnerable with our crews when we work. Let's look for ways to be vulnerable at home and with experiences and all that. Cause I, again, I think what makes us better people makes us better officials. What makes us better officials makes us better people. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that I would do is I mean, share it with somebody, do us a favor, send a story of a time that you were intentionally vulnerable. Mm. Send it to us at uncommon drive podcast at gmail.com. Some of you have been so good at sending in questions and things. We're going to have another question uh, episode coming up soon that I think is going to be great. But send that to us and we'll share some of them. We, mm-hmm. we may even do a, a special little quick hit podcast that just has some stories. Maybe and I think we'll, that would be awesome. Maybe we'll act it out. You'll oh be actor goodness. one, I'll be actor two. There we go. I love it. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Uh, and when it comes to future podcasts, we have a couple really special guests that are getting ready to uh, to be on with us between now and the end of the year. Uh, can't wait to share that with you. And uh, we look forward uh, to uh, to hearing the stories of how you've been uncommon in your drive towards success. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for being with us today, See guys. Y'all. We'll talk at you next week. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.